0: Welcome, um, uh, Connor Mercury our guest uh, uh, for our, our fourth podcast of, of the series. We're fairly new to with with the podcast, and the purpose of these podcasts are to, be to get a um, a picture of, of creators, how they got to where they are, a little bit about where they're going, and and what it means to be a creator related to the the fan base that that um, uh, they build up over a period of time. And Connor is. Is um, a veteran of, of creating work and being in this industry, and he's got quite an eclectic uh, background. Connor, I, I looked online and, and found various versions of who you are in terms of your bio because you're you're accomplished in a, in quite a number of areas. You, you, I believe, you worked in TV and TV and film as a producer. Uh, you have a board game. You're in, uh, I believe, in talks uh, sort of for uh, um, perhaps a. a a film format of of what you've created with the kill Shakespeare. So rather than me um, talk about your, your bio, why don't you describe a little bit about um, all the things you've done?
1: Well, I mean, really, as you can tell, I, I am a Renaissance man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I guess I feel like I'm a lot of, like a lot of people where, uh, you know, people talk about your career being, of one of two things you know there's a group of people who are very clear i i want to be this this is what i want and and this is my plan to get it and then there are other people who have a bunch of ideas that they're interested in and then kind of life carries them through a bunch of interesting opportunities and i feel i've i've really been that um it's true i i I produced some television um in an earlier incarnation incarnation of my life i was uh worked for a company called Business News Network. Uh, And so I used to produce a a half hour television show for them. Uh, I worked as a journalist for some time. So I actually wrote for BNN uh, for a while in the Globe and Mail. I I did a little bit of stuff for Wired. Um, And then I actually worked in Africa for about seven months for the oldest independent newspaper uh, in Ghana, which makes it basically the oldest independent newspaper in Africa. Um, And that was a really interesting experience. Um, I, I'm a comic book creator now, um, that's kind of what's kept me busy for the last few years, but, um, I've also done stuff for Audible in that time. Uh, I've done a little bit of prose work. Um, earlier in my life, I I worked in the film and development side of television. Uh, so I had a little bit of experience on on that front as well. Uh, I created a kid's TV show that got optioned, but it never got made. Uh, so I've, I've had a bit of experience in a bunch of different places. Um, and it's been, it's been really, it's been good. It's, it's interesting to get, to look back and think, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, You have done a bunch of different things. Um, but yeah, the last few years I've basically been concentrating on comic books, uh, specifically a series called kill Shakespeare, which I do with Anthony Call. and kill Shakespeare. For those of you who may not be familiar with it, it's kind of like if, uh, if game of thrones and Shakespeare had a drunken one night stand, we're the illegitimate babies.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, now we're going to stay with Kill Shakespeare because uh, I, I looked at the run. It's uh, a twelve issue comic book uh, series uh, through IDW. Um, not many series last that long. What, what, what do you think is the staying power of of this of this series? It, it's it's obviously unique and different. In fact, I, I was looking at some. Uh, quotes from from uh, readers, you know, some, some of the quotes that came up, kill Shakespeare is an intense, thrilling, and highly exciting narrative that is full of crazy puns and references uh, galore to Shakespeare's various plays, all of which combined to deliver one of the best reading experiences ever. Uh, another fan, it's not for, it's not something that's easy to describe for me. I burned through two volumes in less than two days and every single moment of the reading experience was in you know, a way unique. You know, another fan, um, This actually made me want to brush up on my Shakespeare. Not that it was really necessary to enjoy this story. These fans, it it sounds to me, it's, you know, they discover something that is very unique and it has lasted. What what do you think is, how how do you arrive at this kind of, um, you know, the fans are, are saying it pretty clear.
1: Uh, dumb luck, a little bit, honestly. I mean, when Anthony and I started Kill Shakespeare, I mean, we, 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 it all kind of started with a joke. We were Kill Bill. This was, you know, quite some time ago. Kill Bill wasn't that long in the rearview mirror, and Anthony and I were talking about video game ideas, and and Kill Bill was sort of a, a franchise. We're like, oh, it'd be really cool if you could make a Kill Bill esque video game because that's such a neat story. And then we started joking about, well, oh, what if it was a different Bill? And we joked, oh, it was Bill. You know, what if it was Bill Clinton? And we're like, ah, that's too political. Well, what if it was Bill Cosby? Like, oh, that's way too political. Although in hindsight, we were on to something. And then we sort of made this joke about what if it was Billy Shakespeare? And Oh, yeah, you'd have Romeo and Hamlet on one side, but he would take forever to figure out what to do. And, you know, Lady Macbeth and Richard would be on the other side and they'd want to get rid of Shakespeare. And we kind of took a step back and thought, you know, there's there's something kind of there and that's kind of just that's how the idea began and i'm a big fan of what if comics the old marvel series where you know they would take a key moment in the marvel universe and say you know like what if what if gwen stacy doesn't die what would happen to spider-man if if she never dies and then create this whole alternate universe in like 20 pages uh and we did a lot of what if. what if juliet lives what if hamlet never gets back to denmark after he swears that it's time for revenge um, you know, what if Richard III, what if those armies don't flake out on him at the end of his play and he wins, he never has to call my kingdom for a horse cause he has that horse and a hundred more behind him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how we started to put the project together. And Anthony and I are both, we're both fans of Shakespeare. We both grew up in Southern Ontario. We both had, or Anthony grew up in Northern Ontario, but, uh, came down to Southern Ontario later in life. We both had a lot of experience going to the, the Stratford festival, which is arguably the greatest Shakespearean festival in North America, uh, I would say inarguably, but I'm a homer. And so I think we had this love of Shakespeare without this incredibly neither of us are English majors. We're not we're not Shakespearean scholars. We, we kind of approach Shakespeare from the cheap seats, you know, from a fan's perspective, mm. and I think maybe that's why Kill Shakespeare has resonated, because you know we've done a lot of work to make sure that, you know, we've got a ton of Easter eggs in there for Shakespeare devotees. But at the same token, if, if you're you know you haven't read Shakespeare since grade ten, or your niece or nephew is just about to start to deal with Shakespeare, Kill Shakespeare really works for those readers as well. And I think that's maybe why we've been lucky. We have people who came to us and said, "I I haven't read Shakespeare for twenty years, and I love your comic." We have fourteen year olds who are like, "This is so cool!" And now I'm studying Juliet, you know, Romeo and Juliet, and I'm I'm so excited because I already know you know this Juliet character in your book is so cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, all told, I mean, we the first series was 12 issues. We've gone gone on to do three more series in Kill Shakespeare. So it's five books so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm long delayed in plotting out books six and seven, which I'm in the process of doing, uh, which will take us to a major change in the world. Um, so, I mean, all told, we're about 25 issues plus a bunch of backstories. It's probably about almost 27, 28 issues worth of material. More when you consider some of our issues run uh, longer than the average comic book issue does and yeah we're really proud that we've been able to put out a series that is still going and that it still has you know I, I wouldn't say kill Shakespeare is a massive hit but I would say that the people who seem to find it really like it and have become lifelong fans and that's that's really satisfying
0: mm-hmm uh, now in in your bio I'd I read yeah uh, you, know, you called the company kill Shakespeare entertainment um, most people call it publishing was the idea uh sort of early on or at some point during to to think about other mediums i know there's a board game and you know, how did that come about is there a possibility of of uh, a video format oh for sure so when anthony and i first started the, the so anthony and i
1: are actually both business majors we went to the same school wilfrid Laurier university go you golden hawks uh, about two years apart and we i i feel like I feel like for sure Anthony is a brilliant writer. I feel like what he's even better at is creative producing. Um, and so from the, from the get-go, we kind of tried to infuse this with an entrepreneurial spirit. And so our, our first point of business, after we came up with the story and we had a pretty good sense of what it was, we put together, you know, like a, a almost a 70 page business plan so that we could raise about 350,000 in seed capital so that we could hire a professional artist, you know, somebody who is established in the industry. And that's, we found Andy Belanger with that. So that we had money to develop the idea in other directions. So that we had uh, like a pool that we didn't have to sell Kill Shakespeare to the first person who was maybe interested in turning into television or film or anything like that. And so because of that, we, we, we were able to explore these other opportunities. Like you said, there's a board game based on Kill Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a stage play version that we did with uh, the Young Centre for Performing Arts here in Toronto, which is one of the you know, one of the premier theater groups in the country, and you know that was a that was a really that's been a great opportunity. That that stage play has gone around the world and actually just played at the Globe Theater in London, England. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to do this German language version of Kill Shakespeare as an audiobook, all because when we made our original deal with IDW, we had the funds in hand to basically say we'll bring you a book. What we need from you is we need you we need your distribution, really. IDW, we'll create the book. We'll bring it to you. You distribute it. We own it together on the comic books front, but we own the idea. You have a chunk of that idea when it goes into other mediums, but we, we drive the bus. Uh, and that's allowed us to now take Kill Shakespeare to television. We spent years getting people making offers to us for TV or film. And, you know, over and over, Anthony and I were just like, you know what, it's not the right space. And then finally, somebody who talked to us probably maybe a year after the first issue came out Moved into a position at uh, NBC Universal where she was a decision maker. And she came back and she was like, Look, you know, I've always loved Kill Shakespeare. <laughs> you can't say no to me this time. I, I'm bringing the entire might of NBC Universal behind me. And we, we didn't say no. And so we're actually in the process of developing Kill Shakespeare for television with uh, UCP, which is NBC's kind of independent production arm. Um, and so that's exciting. and that's something we never could have done if we hadn't approached Kill Shakespeare as a business, or at least as a creative
0: venture, first and foremost. And keeping with that sort of that business mindset, um, has, has that helped you maybe because of the control that you have in terms of the creative control, has that helped with um, the spark that continues? Uh, obviously, this has run a while. Is, and, and that relationship with fans also, uh, marketing to them, sort of paying attention to what they want—is is that parlayed into the fan experience side, the relationship? I, with them? I mean, I think
1: so. I mean, I, I think, I mean, right now, Kill Shakespeare—it's it's certainly moved a little more slowly on the comics front than Anthony and I would have, would love, partially because Kill Shakespeare got us all these other gigs. I mean, I, you know I've I've done stuff for Boom and Titan and dynamite and anthony has done stuff for marvel i mean that's his biggest thing right now is he's doing a project for luke cage he's been doing stuff for audible so we we both got these other opportunities um but i I think in a different world kill shakespeare might have just petered off and just and i think the reason it hasn't i mean at least you know speaking for myself is that you know, it is our project, it is our baby. And I, I would really hate it if, if after everything is said and done, we didn't bring Kill Shakespeare to kind of the, the conclusion we saw when we first put it together. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I kind of, I'm always kind of kicking myself when I'm developing something new, which is, you know, part, you know, as you know, it's part of the entrepreneurial experience, especially in the creative arts, is you want to keep building more projects that you own, that you build, so yeah. people see you as, a, as an IP creator. But I kind of kick myself sometimes because I'm like, you know, I'd almost rather just be writing Kill Shakespeare only um, because I love that story world so much. And I, I hope that that's that love for the story world that is what translates to the fans. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I think Kill Shakespeare is one of the greatest comics ever released, but I think it has energy, and I think our fans respond to that energy. And I think when they meet Anthony and I, they see that same energy in us, and I think that's what makes them you know, lifelong fans of what we're doing. And it's it's incredibly, you know, it's I can't think of a higher compliment I can get than when somebody shows up and says like, I, you know, I come to the show every year and I come to see you or I come to see Anthony because I always have a great time coming by and talking to you guys. And it's the highlight of my show. And that's, I mean, what else do you want to be in, you know, in entertainment for except
0: to entertain Mm-hmm. And, and so you mentioned this, this, you know, I come and see you guys and fans, uh, know you're going to be at a convention. So it sounds like you do try to get out to conventions, whether they be uh, locally or abroad. Why is that important? The the interaction with fans and, and being able to, you know, offer them, it seems a bit more energy uh, through your work, but also face to face directly through, I've, I've seen how you uh, operate at the convention. So you're fully present. When you're talking to a fan is is it the case where you know there, there is a saying you know treat every fan as, as as though they're your first and last um you know comment about you know your relationship with fans why you attend these things these, these conventions
1: i mean I, I never heard that quote before but that's a really good quote i i i, I think that's right i think i mean first of all you know, I enjoy it. I I, I like interacting with people, right? I mean, people are, people are great. And I would say, with very rare exception, have I ever had a negative experience with a fan, or let's say not a fan. So when you kind of just walks past your booth, and is what the heck is this. So I mean, I enjoy it first and foremost, I do it because I like it. Um, And I think because I like it, people enjoy, you know, I've always said that, you know, conventions, uh, they are sales places, right? Like I, we get a lot of our new fans through conventions. A lot of people go by, they see this weird Kill Shakespeare banner and they have to come over or it's me or Anthony yelling at them, come on over. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're crazy, but I will. Um, So sales are part of it. But I mean, I've always said that like, for me, it's not about selling something. It's really about the idea of, I want you, if you come up to the Kill Shakespeare booth, I want you to leave that booth having had a better day than when you came. And that, and that doesn't matter whether you pick up a book or not, I want you to have fun. I want us to joke around. I want to learn a bit about you. You know, I, I you know, as you said, you see me, I'm a kind of a weirdo, high energy person behind the table, generally in front of it. And yeah, I, th- I think it's fun. And I think conventions are fun. And I think meeting your fans are fun. and I think that I think you know, there's I don't know if you've interviewed Neil Gibson, I know, you know, him. I look at that guy, he does something called twisted dark, to me, he is one of the greatest builder's of fan experience. He is so present with his fans. He creates so many interesting and fun things to do when you're at his booth and he is so generous in how he gives of himself to the people who come to his table. That to me is the the pinnacle. And you know, I wish Neil Gibson was the biggest star in entertainment because he's the best person in entertainment. Um and I kind of aspire to be like people like him who just really want to bring their energy and give it to other people. I think that's that's the fan experience in a nutshell is that exchange of energy.
0: Yeah, like you, I find him uh, and, and we chatted and met and he he has the same presence when he's with a fan. And uh, you almost think there's no one else in the room. And we know there's thousands of people at these conventions. Uh, with with you when you were growing up, who, who were you uh, a fan of? Uh, did you meet them? Uh, and and if if not, what would you want to do with them?
1: It was funny. My 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 biggest fan moment. I, I'm am a big sports nut. I always have been, uh, and especially as a little kid, my my dream was not to be in film or television or writing comics. My dream was to be the, the third line center of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which says something about my ability to realistically assess my my athletic ability. Um, and I don't know my grinder mentality, but I was a huge fan of a baseball player by the name of Lloyd Mosby, who was known as the shaker. Uh, and was this very charismatic Toronto blue Jay. And one year my, my mom took me and my brother down to Florida, which was spring training. Uh, and a guy there said, Hey, Lloyd Mosby is loves little redheaded kids. He just he sees a red-headed kid and he just, he's going to come over and talk to you. And I'm, I'm a redhead. And so I remember Lloyd Mosby walking off the field, you know, didn't have his head down or anything, but you know, he's going to the locker room and I take off my hat and he sees it and he comes right over to talk to me and my little brother. And I remember, and he was so nice. And I remember my mother being like, you know, just beaming, right? Because like her son had had the experience of his lifetime because this guy had come across and legitimately spent some time talking to me, you know, it was probably two minutes. But it was it was great. And I I don't ever consciously think of that when I'm interacting with fans. But, you know, I, that's what I want. I and mean, I want whether you're 50 or five to come over and to walk away, being like, that was a great time. Because like that that makes me feel good about myself. And I hope that that then, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that Pollyanna-ish or gee whiz, off shuck stuff does fit into my stories, even though a lot of them are incredibly dark and a lot of awful things happen to people. I think there's a balance between the part of my brain that's like, ooh, what's the worst? Like, literally, what's the worst thing I can think of? And but I still I I want everybody to have a good time and to feel better about themselves. And I don't know that that's this kind of weird space my stories exist in. And I think it's definitely the, the place I want to be as a creator is someone who, you know, someone who's a lot of fun to spend time with, whether it's at a show or at a dinner or on a podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when you've met fans and they're very familiar with your work, um, what's been your experience of, of meeting them? Because in, in, in some cases they might be a little anxious, a little nervous, because you 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 know you're you're in their head based on all your work. And uh, how do how do those experiences go? You
1: know, I've, there's like Anthony. And I had one of those early on. A woman came up to us really early in the Kill Shakespeare days, maybe the first trade was out, and she, she was literally shaking to meet us. And it struck us as so strange because I mean, <laughs> we've done six issues of a comic series. But I think, we, I, mean, I, I think we made her feel at ease. I think she left that encounter feeling um, uh, less overwhelmed. Honestly, and not a lot of our... I, I wouldn't say a lot of people come up to us uh, in that sense. I, I have a lot of people who come by and say, I read this, I love it. Or even more often, if somebody else has stopped at the table and is looking at it, and then somebody will walk by and I recognize them as a fan. And they're like, oh man, you've got to read that. It's great, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. I, I don't know. I, I think people... I, you know, I think we've been out for long enough and the book is, it's a niche enough product that I don't think people are coming to us going, oh my gosh, I'm meeting Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think people I think maybe our reputations have preceded us. I think people generally come to the table, whether it's myself or Anthony, expecting to, you know, expecting to enjoy themselves. And um, yeah, so I very rarely had to talk anybody down and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I I put my pants on the same as you do. Because it's kind of ridiculous to me, right? I write a comic book. I mean, and I'm really proud that I write a comic book, but, you know, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a heart surgeon, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's like, you know, uh, changing the world in that sense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not running a, a charity that changes lives across, you know, continents. So from that perspective, yeah, I, I I'm glad that people come up to me and it's generally on an even keel because it's, it's a bit weird to me if somebody comes up and they look at you as if you're this really special thing, because you know, you're doing a job just like they do a job and they're probably just as good at their job as you are at yours, you know, most of them often better. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at that.
0: Yeah. I guess it's part of this fandom experience. You of course experienced it with, uh, you know, one of the players from the blue Jays You and know, whether it's sports music or comics, uh, you know, TV and film, um, it's just part of the fandom. When when we interviewed fans to to talk about the application that we were building, this fan experience platform, the thing that they said more than any other statement was, we we want to connect with with a creator that we admire, and we and we want them to hear our story of of why we became a fan. We want them to actually remember our name, and it was such a small ask that's quite difficult at the conventions today. That uh, we thought it was—it was very odd. The experience of, of fandom, uh, it, it, you know, we, we ask fans—is it, it, really you're helping them manage some aspect of their life. Um, it's, it's escapism. It's entertainment, and it's a big—it's a huge deal for them uh, <clears> at <throat> the time that that it's happening. One last question uh, for you is, and, and it's different for every creator. Is why do you create? Why, why do you write?
1: Why do I write? That's an excellent question. I mean, some people are those. You know, you hear people are like, "I write because if I, you know, I write because I have to." I'm not that guy. I I think my brain just. I've always been a bit of a what if person, even in life. You know, things that would happen to me or friends, I always was wondering, well, what if it was different? And I was always one of those people where you know, shows or books or video games that really stuck with me. I was always in my brain imagining, but what if that was different? What if that went different? How would I have been in that moment? And so I think that's what's always been, I love the idea of like, what if something was different? And I think, I just like the puzzling of stories. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. In some ways I wish I was more of a natural, like, oh my gosh, if I don't write today, I feel unfulfilled. I'd probably be a more productive writer if I was that person. But yeah, I think there's just something joyful, little characters or ideas, worm their way into my brain. And until I started writing fiction, which was only about a decade ago, you know, any any real seriousness, they would just sit there, and they would just keep knocking on my door. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's to keep from from going schizophrenic or something, because there was all these voices in my head that wanted me to get them down on paper. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a more satisfying answer in some ways than that. But there's just there's just something of the allure of a character or a strange moment. And seeing how that strange moment grows into an actual story is both incredibly frustrating and, you know, one of the most aggravating things you could possibly do with your life. But at the same token, there's that magical moment when you read something of your own and for the first time go, oh, well, this kind of works
0: now um and that's that's a good moment and
1: it's it's nice and i, and I enjoy
0: it hmm. well i mean it it sounds pretty valid to me what the, the what if getting it out of your head and getting it into a format where you yourself can 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 read the output and and, and then others reading the output sounds pretty valid to me
1: yeah and it, you know and like you said every, everybody's reason is like there is no right or wrong reason to be a writer you know and i are a creator, right i mean you know i i think you want to have something to say but what you want to say is completely up to you and i feel i feel it's, it's kind of a waste of time you know people you're gonna like what you like and not like what you don't like and that's great but it's kind of a waste of time to judge stuff you don't like it's it's just not your taste and you know on you move unless i guess you're like oh man i really feel this story is damaging or awful for humanity but there's there's not a ton of those running around out there it
0: is, there's, a, there's a there's a lot to choose from in in, in 2018. Yeah, there's there's a ton to choose from in
1: 2018. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's fun and I enjoy it. And I'm really glad that I I'm glad that I'm someone who, who gets to put stuff on paper and, you know, people come up and say, hey, wow, I really enjoy that, especially because especially in comics, because it's a it's it's not a wide ranging medium in the way television or film are or music. Um, you never really know if anybody has read anything you've written, especially like single issues or one-off stuff. So it's that's also satisfying so when somebody comes up is like, oh, hey, I know you read that. You, you wrote that like one single issue in Adventure Time. That was a coloring book. My kid loved that. It was amazing. And you're just like, oh, great.
0: Somebody read that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, uh, it it sounds to me, based on the way you designed this with, with Anthony from the beginning, that that you thought about um, the other formats that people are are digesting information, and you um, you're pursuing that pretty aggressively. Which was, sounds like the uh, the series will will be possibly resurrected and might uh, take off with with a, with a new audience.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I really do. I it would. I mean, I think anytime you tell a story. You want as many people as possible to enjoy the story. And with the people we're working with on the television side, while the television version of Kill Shakespeare will certainly be different than the comics version, it's going to be, uh, uh, Anthony and I have every confidence that it's going to be different if it, if it happens, it's going to be different in a way that we will be happy with and that our fans will be too.
0: Great. Well, on that note, I want to thank you for your time and wish you well. And and certainly, uh, I'll be seeing you at uh, at future conventions. Uh, what's what's next for you in terms of uh, traveling or conventions?
1: Not a ton right now. Um, I've got. I'm more kind of in writing, creating mode. I'm thinking I'll go to the Vancouver Fan Expo, but I have to actually uh, nail that down. Uh, there's a Toronto show in the spring that I'll probably attend um it looks like i might be invited to a show in denver and a show in montreal and hopefully four maybe five shows next year will be about it for me um which will be you know that'll be a little lower but at at the biggest at at our most anthony and i might hit 20 shows combined so this year i'm hoping to be more in the five to six range uh with those ones kind of being the leading contenders but you, you never know right sometimes weird things pop up and you get an invitation and off you go so uh, but wherever I go, I also want to appreciate it and say thank you to you for Wurfl and what you guys have been building, uh, because you you really are creating interesting opportunities for people like me to to find fan bases we didn't even know we had.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we, we built this uh, in response to to creators like yourself who who may not have large teams to To be able to understand where their fans are and how to how to meet them in unique ways, but primarily we listen to fans because the frustration um, was remarkable um, in terms of in terms of wanting a different type of experience. Uh, and the millennials, uh, you know, are a unique bunch. They 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 take sabbaticals. They they want experiences. They want to connect. They want community, and they found it to be increasingly uh, challenging. Sometimes that these at these conventions, as you know, they're, they're, they haven't heard of one getting smaller. <laughs> no, that's very true. That is very true. So again, thank you for your time, and I, I and all I, I wish you and uh, Anthony much success uh, in twenty nineteen. Thank you very much.